At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Inks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante. Super Bowl over. Hope you won money. I got $16 and change for being correct. Um, but if you are a fan of episodes where we both sip Celsius, you're in luck. This is going to be a big one. Super Bowl Sunday. The Monday should be a holiday. Oh, well, at least there are no holidays coming up anytime soon on the calendar. Oh, wait, there's one next week. Forget presidents, give us a day off for quarterbacks. That's an obvious one. But for now, we're going to be talking about pitchers and catchers reporting and the questions that still linger ahead of that key date. The Yankees will be at camp later this week, or at least some of them will be, or at least it's going to feel like the whole roster is because that's how many catchers they currently have on the 40-man roster. New York's pitchers and catchers report this week. They're still after Dylan Cease reportedly we'll talk about that do we have roles available for some of the prospects who knocked on the door and broke it down late last year and does this outfield alignment feel comfortable enough plus an old friend goes to the red sox we'll break it all down live on this show you can find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your podcast please drop us a five-star review if you haven't yet we'd welcome it or just drop us a like and subscribe right here on the YouTube channel, uh, we want to see you here. We want to see you on the audio feed as well. So drop us a line wherever to let us know you are around. And if you haven't hit join yet on the YouTube channel, become a member. You get access to the Discord server, which we are trying to build up before the season begins. So reach out if you have any questions about that. But for now, we're here doing a live show like we always are every Monday, Thursday, 2 o'clock Eastern. And joining me as per usual is Thomas Carinante with a promo code offer for the viewers. What's up, everybody? Hope you cashed in on this before the Super Bowl because we were telling you to take the Chiefs the whole time and you could have done it with some free money. Um, Yankees fans, thanks for tuning in. Um, haters, you're welcome as uh, you're welcome as well. Come on. Um, DraftKings is still offering a fantastic sign-up bonus for new users. You can place a $5 bet on anything and instantly claim $200 in bonus bets. On top of that, you'll be rewarded with a separate no sweat single game parlay every single day when you opt in. The best part is that you will receive both of these rewards even if the bet loses. Beauty. Could have done it earlier in the week with some BS NHL game. Got the $200 in bonus bets for the Super Bowl. Said Patrick Mahomes, take me to the promised land. 400 bucks. Done. Boom. When you join as a first-time user, uh, punch in our code YanksGoYard to claim this offer. Again, it is YanksGoYard. And 
<clears throat> you will not only get these great bonuses, uh, but you also directly be supporting the podcast. Adam and Thomas, yanksyard.com, everything you love about us. Seems like a pretty good deal. We like having fun. Um, I'm sure you guys like having fun. So let's keep the party going. Um, so if you're considering signing up for DraftKings as a first-time user, please make sure to use that code YanksGoYard, and that will maximize your first bets and your parlays. No better way to do it. This is the best way to do it. I've been gambling for a long time. Never had these offers. No one ever approached me with free bonus bets. Time to cash in, folks. This offer is only available, once again, to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Big win for the Swifties, baby, including sure. myself. I'm a big Swiftie. Did your high school bookie never give you free bonus bets? Never got free bonus bets. That right? intimidating man who used to show up to the halls of your high school was never like, <laughs> hey, by the way, feeling generous today. Get some free bonus bets if you fuck up. <laughs> Dishing out Monopoly money. Yeah, what is this? Can I use this? <laughs> don't, I don't know. Don't come to me crying. <laughs> Go to a store. Um, yeah, good for the Swifties. Uh, we had some Swifties at our house for the Super Bowl yesterday. Oh, um, they're into it. We were into it. Why not? Great. I mean, uh, I don't know why we need to even like – who's complaining about a Super Bowl that ended on a walk-off touchdown with seconds remaining in overtime? That oh, you know, come on. never happened before. It's one of the most incredible second halves and overtimes of a Super Bowl ever, although I will say I had a crazy moment yesterday where when we were approaching overtime, not quite – I think it was when it was 1916, I confidently was like, this is going to be the first Super Bowl to ever go into overtime. And everybody just agreed. And then, like <laughs> – We forgot 40, about the most legendary one. 40 minutes later, I was like, you know what, guys? Patriots, Falcons went overtime. And another person at the party was like, Yeah, I thought you were kidding. Like, but nobody else caught it. Everybody else was just like, Oh, cool. Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess I both remember every second of that Super Bowl, Patriots, Falcons, and blocked it out a hundred percent. Yeah, it's that I was I was going back through my Super Bowl history. Um, and I have lost two Super Bowls since I started betting. That was one of them. The other one was uh Chiefs Bucks. I went in on the Chiefs because I was fully against Brady that year, especially after all all that Patriots shit. And I was like, they can't do this. They can't possibly do this. And, you know, the Chiefs had their alignment out that that day for the Super Bowl. So you knew you were putting your money in a precarious spot. But I couldn't bet on Brady again. I had, I just couldn't do it. But, yeah, I don't count. I will not count that Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl as a loss, especially because I had Falcons plus six. They lost the game by six in overtime after leading by 25. Yep. Lost. Simply not a loss. No. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, you're up. You again, buddy. Stop doing it. Uh, Well, that's enough for that. We all enjoyed the Super Bowl. But as soon as the clock struck, uh, end of OT, it became baseball season. Unless you're an NFL draft freak, in which case, why are you on the Yanks Go Yard podcast? So we're here to talk pitchers and catchers, spring training, and the questions we still have before the Yankees touch down in Tampa. Some guys are already there. Nestor Cortez, Carlos Rodon, already in town. Uh, it's objectively, we've been over this, a very good Yankees team and roster on paper. There is a reason the projections like this team to win the East, to win 93, 94, 95, 96 games, to have the fourth best or so World Series odds in the game. Two parts of that that always get me. Obviously, the Yankees have built up a lot of war. Uh, They have not built up an impenetrable amount of depth. They always have injury issues. And right now, they have a five-man rotation of people you're comfortable with, but not really beyond that, which makes it difficult to acquire 
a bona fide starting pitcher, like a number two or three right now, because you have five starters who have to start. Once somebody gets injured, obviously there will be a role for an addition, but it's way easier to add like a sixth depth starter, like a Frankie Montas, we thought, than it is to add a blockbuster name and trade right now. Because if you add a sixth starter who's a swingman, who's got experience, who's like, say you added Spencer Turnbull or Michael Lorenzen, who's still available, then you could be like, yeah, we're adding starters. We're adding potential ammo. And they can go to the bullpen and they can do whatever they're going to do. But if you add like a bona fide, if you make a blockbuster trade right now, the rotation is quote unquote full. Same with a blockbuster Blake Snell signing. Uh, so that's an issue. And then the other thing, you're projected at the fourth best World Series odds. I remember when we lived in a society where that wasn't good for the Yankees, where they were supposed to have the number one best World Series odds because you want to win the World Series. So top four, not bad. But again, every year they're projected to lose to the Astros in the playoffs. And then every year they do. And then everyone's like, oh, they met their projections. And it's like, yeah, but that sucked. That fate sucked. Finishing second in the AL to the Astros was a nightmare. So good for the projections, but I think the number one lingering question is about that rotation. Because we heard over the weekend, they're still in the Dylan Cease mix. They're still talking to the White Sox for Cease. Bob Nightingale reported this. The price obviously remains prohibitive there. And Cease took a big step back in stuff between 2022 and 2023. All of Blake Snell's walk issues without the Cy Youngs. So... I guess two-part question for me, how interested in Cease are – how interested in even maintaining this conversation are you right now, considering I still think you could wait till the deadline on something like this and see how it shakes out. But B, uh, how would you even shove someone into this rotation? Because if you were going to do that, if you were going to get a Blake Snell in addition to Stroman, don't you have to have traded Clark Schmidt at some point and filled that back-end role with – Lorenzen Turnbull types experienced sixth starters so you could say we have big league depth but now you've got a guy who has to be in the rotation in the number five spot right now and someone's gonna get hurt and they will have room for somebody to fill in but that somebody right now is gonna be a rookie or a random like Cody Poteet yeah um Roberto wants to trade Spencer Jones for Dylan Cease um yeah I don't I mean I don't agree I also would not I would not uh, cause an uproar if that happened. Uh, trades are trades. You're getting better now um, and sacrificing the future and have enough to back up sacrificing the future, then sure. Um, I am just of the belief that I think there's enough right now to get through the first few months of the season and then to reassess at the trade deadline. And then if you have to overpay at the trade deadline, you overpay at the trade deadline. That's that's where I'm at mentally. Um, I think that the opportunity passed with Corbin Burns. That was the one. If you were going to trade Spencer Jones, I think that was the deal to do it. Um, I don't agree with doing it because, once again, uh, that is more so of a cornerstone piece for one year of an ace who's probably not going to re-sign with you because his agent is Scott Boris. Um, and as for Dylan Cease – one really good year, everything else kind of up in the air. I understand he's got two years of control, but that doesn't really mean anything to me if he's not on his A game. If he was coming off his 2022 season last year, then I'd say, sure, let's just do this and get it over with and fast forward to opening day and let's get on with it. But being that the Yankees have enough, they have enough bodies right now. We have a bunch of young guys that we want to see, right? So we have, um, we have Will Warren, who we keep talking about. I don't know when he's going to arrive, but he's there. 
Um, we got Clayton Beater, who we keep talking about and who seems to be getting closer and closer. Um, we have Luis Heel coming off injury. We have the O-Injuries Gomez working his way up the ranks. <clears throat> um, and like you said, Cody Cody Poteet, Cody Morris, other guys that have joined the mix. Um, Chase Hampton. Chase Hampton. Uh, there are options. And again, we have to see what we have out of the young options. And there is enough in terms of veterans. You got Garrett Cole. You got Carlos Rodon. Um, you got Nestor Cortez. <clears throat> you have Marcus Stroman. And you have Clark Schmidt. That's a full rotation to get you through the first few months of the season to see where your team stands. And even if the team is doing well and has enough bodies, a blockbuster addition still wouldn't be out of the question. So I wouldn't be worried about <laughs> Yoko. Yeah, yeah. It really does crack me up. Yeah. You know, Andres Gomez's nickname is Yogo. I know we talked about it last episode, but it's still funny. He threw three innings last year or something like that, and he's got yeah. a nickname, so now we're attached to him. It's crazy. Um, so <clears throat> the Yankees, I fully believe they will remain active, and they will see what's going on if any of these trade markets change. Um, you don't know what's happening behind the scenes with Cease. Maybe the asking price is slowly softening. Um, they're realizing that they're not going to be able to get uh, the package that they once dreamed of because of the perceived uh, the perceived um, value in return that the Brewers got for Corbin Burns, um, which I think the baseball world has largely deemed insufficient. Mm -hmm. Time will tell. We will see. Um, and I understand that there might be different analysis there because of uh, the Orioles' uh, talent scouting as of the last few years it's been pretty superior but you know from an actual valuation standpoint if you're talking if you're trying to pry spencer jones plus more out of the yankees um there's no way you're going to convince anybody that um dl hall joey ortiz and a fake first round pick is equivalent to that it's simply not um but yeah so either way the rotation quote is full. We have we have five starters going into opening day, and we're going to be able to make it. And we need to see what we have in Carlos Rodon, Nestor Cortez getting a full workload. We need to see how Clark Schmidt is going to adapt after career high in innings. We need to see how Marcus Stroman is going to adapt to the New York spotlight. I don't think it's going to be a problem, but you just simply never know. Um, and then mixing these other guys in, whether it's <clears throat> um, going with a six-man rotation here and there, um, whether it's a couple of uh, – of long relief outings, uh, these these all need to happen for the Yankees to to fully flesh out the roster. We don't need to keep adding bodies here at this point. It's it's not essential. It's a luxury again, which would be nice, but we don't need to be banging down people's doors to demand trade targets at this point. Um, like I said, I guess I've drank the Kool Aid and I'm willing to go into this year with the roster as is. So I'm going to stand by that. I mean, this is the number one logical debate I keep having with friends, and this is why this is the number one burning question for me entering pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training. Because, uh, you know, say what you will, hey, maybe Clark's stuff plays up in the bullpen, even though I didn't really trust him in bullpen scenarios in 2022 when we had him. Uh, maybe Nestor's a long reliever. We, we don't know that yet. He's an all-star. Last time we saw him in a full season, he was regularly going six, seven innings. He just couldn't sustain last year because of the shoulder issue. But I have friends reaching out saying – hey, the Yankees' Achilles heel has been pitching for too long. We need Blake Snell. We need Corbin Burns. We need a big name like this. And look, it's true. I would love if this rotation were fronted by Garrett Cole and a sure thing rather than Garrett Cole and Carlos Rodon. But you can't reconcile that need with the fact – it's it's tough to reconcile that need with the fact that the rotation is full. And B, uh, if Carlos Rodon 
isn't good again, then this Yankees team will fail to reach its ceiling. But yeah. right now, he's your number two because they paid him. He has to be their number two or number three. If he is completely ineffective like last year and throws 45 innings, then guess what? The Yankees are in trouble. But for now, they're entering year two of a six-year deal with someone who was an ace-like pitcher in 2021 and 2022 and was a complete dumpster fire in 2023. So it's tough to say because what we saw from Rodon was a disaster. And if that happens again, then they are in trouble for sure. But you're in a position right now where you have to roll the dice with him. You can't say, hey, we're bailing on him after year one. Like, that does not happen in MLB. And I love it. I don't want to do that either because I want to see Colors run on, come in and succeed. But that's kind of the thing that I hear you if you're telling me like, hey, we don't have enough in the rotation. Remember how bad Rodon was last year? He's a dud. Like if you're telling me that, I get it. Yeah. Because we we watched it and he was a dud. But you can't upgrade on him yet. And they did their best. They tried to put Snell in the rotation and they ended up with Stroman because they offered Snell 150 and Snell said it's got to start with a 200 and maybe even 270 million. And lo and behold, He's still here. Um, I'm scared of Rodon, and the comments are saying, you know, he's a scary injury history. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have to ride with him for now. And if he's dreadful in year two and there are four years left, then we got to figure that out. Then then we got to upgrade that spot. Then he's got to enter next year competing for a fourth or fifth starter role. And the Yankees have to have more sure things in that rotation. And then the Yankees might have to trade Clark. You got to trade Clark Schmidt at some point. I wonder why they didn't maybe float Schmidt and Pereira and a, a DSL prospect for Burns. Like Pereira is a baseball America top 100 prospect with the second highest exit velocity in that top 100 behind Spencer Jones. Oswald Peraza, Oswald Peraza was not involved in that trade and would theoretically fill the middle infield spot. Joey Ortiz occupied in that deal. Although, Yes, I know, not as good a prospect. Ortiz is in the top 100 on Pipeline. He's not in Baseball America. and Reports are conflicted. But Joey Ortiz, if, if they need an infielder, here's Oswald Peraza, former top 100 guy. If they want a boom power outfielder and they can't have Spencer Jones, here's Pereira. And then we can't trade him that first round pick. How about a Carlos LaGrange type or even Henry Lalland, who everyone agrees might be a top 100 prospect by the end of the year? That's a relatively large offer even though Peraza and Pereira are becoming Andujar and Frazier and there's nothing we can do about it just because we're trying to get rid of them and we can't. I wonder why there wasn't a match there with Pereira and then an upgraded second prospect. Even Pereira and Chase Hampton. I don't want to give up Chase Hampton, but if that would have gotten the job done and you keep Spencer Jones out of it, I'd probably do that. And i probably just bite my tongue and say, oh, well, Brewer's got a good one. The same way I said, ah, Padres got a good one and Drew Thorpe. Like I would have Juan Soto and Corbin Burns in that scenario, so I wouldn't be as upset. Yeah, I, I'm wondering a lot of things with how those trade talks went down. Um, and it's unfortunate that I guess maybe Pereira is being devalued because of his shitty month um, at the plate when he came when he came up. And, and fan graphs, by the way, Baseball America is high on him. Pipeline is what it is. He's slipping down. That fan graphs has him at 17 in the Yankee system right now. So analysts and experts are very split on whether he is still a top 100 name in the game with – top tier exit velocity like maybe not only one of the top 100 guys but one of the best hitters in the top 100 versus sliding down even the internal team ranking so now is probably the time to trade this person before everybody figures it out one way or the other yeah um same goes for peraza like uh, 
the tools are there. We've seen the flashes of it, but the consistency isn't, and that's not his fault because he largely hasn't gotten the opportunity to do so. But you've seen the flashes with the glove. You've seen the power at the major league level. Like, I don't know how he wasn't an appealing trade candidate. Um, or on the flip side, maybe the Yankees are hanging on to him because they want him and they feel like that will be the true deepening bench move that they need um, to make these last three years of bench players go away in our memory because they were the shittiest bench players you could ever imagine. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I I have many questions, but nonetheless, it's good to see uh, the comments. We were, were – we have no choice but to have faith in Rodon. I, yeah, I guess it's, it, we at least need to go into the season knowing that um, he's going to be a huge missing piece uh, to this puzzle. Um, and we should support him. We should support the guy. Injuries derailed the beginning of the season for him. It's hard to get on track like that. Then he got interrupted again. So yes, in, in practice, everything that happened last year was dud worthy, but give the man a clean slate. Give him a chance to get through a full season without that many interruptions. And with don't don't forget, guys, last year's Yankees team was dreadful. Mm -hmm. To be a newcomer to come and and arrive in this situation at, with all the expectations heaped on you from signing the contract to becoming you know Garrett Cole's right hand man, whatever you want to call it, like that's not easy either. So he he clearly inherited he he probably inherited some of the Yankees disease that was going around last year that affected everybody's play. Um, so yeah, let's, let's have a little bit of faith here, see how it plays out. And then we'll start holding people accountable at the trade deadline when, if, and when Brian Cashman doesn't make the, the necessary moves. Um, but speaking of trades, something does need to happen because again, we talked last episode, there are five catchers on the 40 man that is untenable. It makes no sense. Um, it keeps the Yankees from bolstering depth at other areas that are much more necessary. So I know we had our possibility um, rankings of who might go, but when is this going to happen? This has to happen soon, right? There's not even that much more to say about this. Like th there, no. there's not enough room in the locker room for pitchers and catchers to report right now. They're, like, <laughs> they're going up to the catchers being like, can one of you change in a trailer outside? Because we actually don't have five lockers for all the roster catchers. And it trickles down to AAA. I, I understand if you like Carlos Narvaez. I do. He was great Same. last spring, yeah. filled in admirably when Trevino went down uh, and earned himself a 40-man spot, but wasn't used last year at all. Ben Rortvet, probably your starting catcher at AAA. Augustine Ramirez, if you believe in the exit velo, and they do, he's your starting catcher at AA. Luis Torrens was signed to split reps at AAA. Where does Narvaez go? Where does Narvaez go? Don't um, so you can you can talk all you want about, hey, Rortvet's got major league experience. Maybe we can spin him off just for some loose cash or whatever. Or, hey, uh, you know, Narvaez has potential. Maybe he's going to net us something, whereas Rortvet just nets us some salary relief and a free roster spot. Narvaez had a 760 OPS last year in 84 games. It's Scranton, 16 games at AA Somerset. It's all he played, 801 OPS. Sending him back down to Somerset for his age 25 season would be completely counterproductive and would take away at-bats from Augustine Ramirez. So either Wartvet or Narvaez, figure out what you're going to do because we can't go much longer here. And Luis Torrens on the minor league deal complicates all of this. There just isn't enough room for all these bodies. Forget about the 40-man roster. All these real human men have to exist at the minor <laughs> league level at AAA. Like, you want to convert Torrens to a first baseman? Ben Rice has to play first base at AAA. Like, you're running out of spots for these guys. So in the same way that we'll talk about the outfield alignment in a little bit, and we'll talk about the big league bench, but 
Five catches on the 40 man is egregious. Even if you love all of them, you backed yourself into a corner here. And we're, we're clock's ticking. It's February. These guys got to go to camp now. So figure it out. Get to camp. Figure it out. We got to get on and move. And and it's it's inconsiderate to them. They should they should know where their life stands heading into spring training this close. I know this this offseason has been wacky um, because of the delay. I mean, look, we still have high profile free agents out there that I think we're forgetting about more and more. As the All of because everybody still thinks Jordan Montgomery's on the Rangers and Bellinger's on the Cubs. Not yeah, not yet, and no one's really having any conversations. What I've heard is that there's very there's pre, not only have these people not signed, but there's precious little movement. Rob Bradford said that Montgomery and the Rangers haven't even exchanged numbers these past couple of weeks because the Rangers were waiting for the TV deal to come down. They didn't think it would be that fruitful, and it wasn't. So now they're still far apart and nothing is changing. It's crazy. I don't understand. But either way, you know, you're leaving these guys' careers in limbo and pitchers and catchers reporting is an important part of spring training. Um, so, yeah, might be best to figure it out. Thanks, guys. Um, it is funny to think about, though, like them having catchers like share a locker for team bonding uh, upon arriving in spring training because there's not <laughs> enough space. It's like, hey, Narvaez and Ramirez, why don't you guys, uh, you know, swap jock straps, see what it's like, you know, get to know each other a little bit more. Um, yeah, we're going to play get-to-know-you games. Why? Just out of necessity. There's no, there's no room in here. Why don't you guys just distract yourselves playing some games? Like, when you used to have interns, you're like, just do whatever. I don't know. Too many of you. <laughs> and you want to talk about having – we have an excess of, of catchers, which is great, and now we have an excess in, you know – in my opinion, of guys who don't really have roles right now. Excess of dudes. Yeah, just dudes sitting around that don't have roles. Um, we met, you know, we mentioned at the top Oswald Praza and Everson Pereira, but I think we have to talk about Oswaldo Cabrera too. What is he gonna be doing? What are these three guys gonna be doing? The Yankees acquired um Trent Grisham as well this offseason. Don't forget about that. You got Verdugo in the mix, you got Soto, you got Judge. Aaron Boone claims that Giancarlo Stanton's going to be playing outfield. Nope. So what in do you got there? In an effort to injure him early to get him off the depth chart, <laughs> in a sabotage mission. Could be. <laughs> so we already have five outfielders right there. Um, so now you're wondering what Pereira's role is. You got the infield: um, Anthony Volpe, Glaber Torres, uh, DJ Lemayhu. So I think that there is very much a clear spot for Peraza to jump in and and fill in where he needs to. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I don't know what that means for Cabrera because Cabrera clearly, at least just judging based on what's happening here, um, that would make him more of a candidate for the infield because there are too many outfielders. Um, if they have five outfielders, I'm prioritizing playing Trent Grisham over Oswald uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, especially because he could play center field. Um, you already know that Verdugo, Judge, and Soto are getting that uh, priority as well. Um, I guess the only time he would come in handy is if somebody needs a day off and Stanton is locked into the DH spot. Sure, but um, I would like some clarity here. Uh, one of them, give me clarity on one of them. I guess Peraza has the clearest fate because they definitely have faith in him. Um, they're definitely going to need more infield reps because – um, I would suspect that DJ LeMay, he was not going to be fully healthy and on his feet, at least on both sides of the ball every single day. Mm -hmm. um, you're, I, I, I would actually bet on Torres and Volpe playing an overwhelming majority of the games in the field. Volpe, or, I, Volpe already did it. 
Um, and uh, we saw that he got that experience. And though I think that might have affected some of the play in his rookie season because that was the most exposure he has gotten playing at the professional level. Um, there's no reason for him to not play that much this year. Um, Torres in a contract year, he's going to have to be kicking ass regardless, whether it's for himself or whether it's for the Yankees. So um, I don't know what this, I don't know what this infield alignment is going to look like with Peraza in the mix, but um, it's safe to assume that um, he'll spell Torres and, and Volpe if there is a need for either of them to be off their feet that day. And I see him playing a lot of third base, but otherwise Cabrera and Pereira, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I hate to be the absolute worst, but I'm gonna need to see more from Volpe this year, or I'll scream. Sure. Um, the, yeah. the more the more I w- think about his season last year, the angrier I get. Just the fact that we had the opportunity to have this homegrown shortstop superstar from the jump, most popular rookie in baseball, face of the franchise and waiting type season. And obviously those expectations are absurdly high and so weighted. And you can't really walk into a year and be like, this has to be the most special rookie shortstop since Derek Jeter, or else I'm going to have steam coming out of my ears. But he didn't have to do that. He just had to not have a 280 OBP, a disqualifyingly low OBP, not go three weeks of empty at-bats on end repeatedly, which which happened both before and after he figured it out, right? So there is a chance that Volpe takes a huge leap this year, and he kind of has to because the version of Volpe we saw last year really... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hurt. Hurt me to watch. And like we said, there were times when the Yankee season was so over, the only things that went right last year were Garrett Cole and Jason Dominguez for one week before he had Tommy John surgery. Those are the only things that went definitively right. So there were portions of the season where they were just done for, where all I was doing was watching the games I could watch, skipping the games I had to skip, and checking the box score to see if Volpe got on base. Not even got a hit, got on base. And if he was like 0 for 2 with two walks, I'd be like, all right, okay, all right. Numbers aren't going down, I guess. Um, They need more from him, and there is at least a chance, though, that Peraza is the slick fielding, slightly upgraded defensively, slightly downgraded offensively version of Volpe that is able to seamlessly replace Glaber after he departs following a contract year. They could absolutely roll with Peraza at second, Volpe at short next year, or Volpe at second, Peraza at short. But that does involve a year where Peraza enters this spring as maybe a utility infield option, maybe the third baseman in waiting, maybe someone who fills in for J.J. LeMahieu when he goes down, but probably a cemented bench piece, someone who is not getting that many starts. And you kind of have to look at him, look him in the eyes and say, what, what do you think? Do you think, is that okay? Will you be able to continue developing, continue to work harder as so you have to work uh, without a starting role at the big league level and with only a guarantee of playing 65, 70 games and getting eight at-bats a week if everybody stays intact. Now, we know they won't, but they're going to have to. They can't send him back to AAA again. He is still young, but what does starting at AAA do for Oswald Peraza? That is a complete waste of time. Yeah, That's why Pereira is probably going to have to start at AAA because the bench is going to be four guys, backup catcher, Austin Wells or Trevino, whoever's on the bench, 
Grisham, uh, some sort of utility guy, and and Peraza. So it's probably Cabrera and Peraza, which is not that purposeful a bench. I would rather see, like in the comments, someone like Gio Urshela in there. But mm-hmm. they, they are going to carry enough pitchers. They, they have an overload of pitchers. They are probably going to carry four bench guys at least early in the year while the pitchers are still getting their arms up to speed. And are you willing for one of those bench guys to be somebody who should theoretically be a starter for your team, but definitely will not get the opportunity unless somebody goes down or it is 2025. It's a tough year for Peraza. And so they're going to need to be honest with themselves and say, I, I we're going to need to figure out a way to further his development while keeping him on the pine by design, which is a tough spot. Pine by design, baby. That's what we're going to do. Um, do we all do live games? Sorry, I'm just looking at the comments here. Uh, we'll try. We'll do some. We're going to be we're going to be experimenting this year. Yeah. I mean, it might be post game. We'll see. Like we're we're not going to be live for every single game, but yes, we will be around. We'll do live for the games when uh, the bench is most involved, and then we'll have conversations like this. Is that is that sufficient? Yeah, um, yeah DJ Lemayhu's health is going to hinge on a lot of things this season. Um, Judge wants him to bat lead off. We heard that. Uh, I think Boone said something about it too. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Penciling him into the leadoff spot seems insane to me. Um, I haven't seen him hit well in two years. Uh, maybe the team feels differently and they still have confidence in him, but yeah, they're, they're going to have to figure that out. Anyway, speaking of Judge, what's the Yankees outfield alignment going to look like? Probably mm-hmm. a very important thing that we're going to have to think about leading up to opening day. Um, Juan Soto's in the mix. What's he at? Left field, Verdugo and right, or either you flip those. What if Verdugo, Verdugo had a really good season last year in right field? He did. So and I was, still don't think they intend to use him there. Like he I did, and he I still did, think yeah. he's going to play left. Because Soto's more comfortable in right. That's correct. Yep. And judge um, and center, which means double downgrades. And I, and I had somebody talking to me about this this morning. Uh, an Instagram DM, shout out to my DMs. Please slide in there if you want to talk about the Yankees outfield alignment. Yep. But uh, look, Juan Soto is Juan Soto. You upgrade when you can. But it does mean that they are weaker in right with Soto over Judge and weaker in center with Judge over Bader. Now, again, Aaron Judge and Juan Soto are those two people. So you take the defensive downgrade if it means those are the two people you get to put in your lineup. Like, I'll accept it. I, I will take Judge, uh, sue me. I will take Judge and center, Soto and right over Kiermaier and center, Judge and right. Yeah. Or Kiermaier like and center, center, Billy McKinney and right. But it is different. It's it's less than ideal, and the defense does take a step back. Yeah, I agree. I think there's some there's some kinks there that need to be worked out, but I like Judge and center. He covers a lot of ground. Is it a downgrade from Harrison Bader? I, I, I guess you could say that. Bader's a natural center fielder. It's where he's played his entire career. But did we feel – uncomfortable when judge was in center field at all over the last couple of years not at all i was actually very confident with him out there um he covers a ton of ground it's actually even better because i think that at that point the left fielder and the right fielder know that they are not going after balls because judge a is the captain and b is very large and c would be playing center field which gives him priority over whatever he wants to call or go after so i think that that actually helps with the communication aspect of it uh, we've seen many uh, Harrison Bader, you know, near collisions or full collisions with with corner outfielders. And then again, we also have to remember there will probably be a lot less Oswaldo Cabrera out there, like we just talked about. There will be no Isaiah Kiner Falefa out there. There will be no Jake Bowers out there. So there's going to be full on actual outfielders in the outfield. So I'm not really concerned with this alignment. I just want to know what's going to happen. Um, 
And I also think it's important to put players where they're comfortable because that's been a lot of the issue over the last few years, uh, playing guys out of position, um, having them play where they're not where forget about playing out of them out of position, playing them out of position after them saying, I'm not comfortable playing this position. That mm -hmm. makes it even worse to me. Like if you're going to play guys out of position, fine, there needs to be an agreement there. But like, we saw the discomfort with Joey Gallo. Mm -hmm. um, we saw the discomfort with various pitchers being in different roles. Um, I know Isaiah Connor Falefa was down to do kind of anything, but he wasn't comfortable in left field or center field. You saw no. him. Never no. played there in his life. Um, so and he now, won't, yeah. spoiler alert, he will not play there in Toronto this year. Going out on a limb there. He's not gonna not gonna do that again. Yeah, no, they'll be. They'll, I think they'll be. Uh, they'll be smarter about that. They have outfielders. They don't. They don't have any need to. They'll the first day one. They'll be like, remember when you were in the outfield last year for no reason? <laughs> what the fuck was that? We're not. Doing that. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, my the, my old manager. That that organization truly fucking dumb. Yeah, we um, signed you so that you wouldn't have to do that again. Well, I thank you guys. Okay, great. Go out there, play third. Your gold <laughs> glove, third baseman. Go play third. <laughs> uh, looking and then looking at uh, the Verdugo situation. Seems to me he's much more comfortable in right field. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Is there that big of a difference between Juan Soto and left or right? I know he might be more comfortable in right, but I don't think he's like – I don't think he's that good of a defender where you're like, oh, no, he's clearly, you know, superior at this position. Or, mm -hmm. you know, he can effectively and, and no problem hold down the fort at both. It's like I think at this point if you're moving judge to center – and you're waiting for Dominguez to come back or whatever the plan is, there needs to be a definite alignment with who's comfortable playing where. Um, and is that a trade? Is the outfield situation going to be a trade-off for batting Soto second where he doesn't want to bat? Mm -hmm. um, or you can't make him unhappy on both sides of the ball. I don't know. Again, I don't know what the deal is. Aaron Boone said uh, Soto was open and amenable to batting second. Um, mm -hmm. Reports have suggested the opposite, so I literally don't know. Um, and then for the outfield, like I don't want him in a position that he's uncomfortable with defensively and in a spot in the lineup that he doesn't like hitting in. Um, and then for Verdugo, um, he obviously is of the least priority out of the three that we're talking about here. But if he just had a stellar defensive year, like I, I actually the Red Sox fans have been hot and cold on him. The one thing that I've heard about him is that he played a great right field last year and really good arm strength. Yeah. yeah. And and the really and the dimensions in right field at Fenway Park are much more difficult than they are in the Bronx. Even playing half his games in the Bronx is gonna be a lot easier. Um, so uh I think at the very like my trade-off here would be maximize Verdugo defensively because you already know what you're gonna get out of Soto offensively, and a slight Soto defensive downgrade is not really gonna matter, whereas a Verdugo defensive downgrade might actually matter a lot because he's shown apparently night and day. Then again, then again, I guess here's the rebuttal where I'm talking myself into a pretzel playing left field at Fenway park is incredibly fucking hard. Cause that's stupid wall. Yeah. Um, and that's not going to be, that's not going to be at Yankee stadium. So maybe the dimensions of playing in a more uh, uh, spacious left field will actually help for Dugo. I don't know, but either way you have those factors. And then, you have what's going on with John Carlos Stanton. Is he actually going to be on his feet? Um, how will they cycle those guys in? Who's going to be DHing? Uh, because you don't have a true center. That that it seems to me, Judge is going to be playing a lot more outfield mm -hmm. this year than before because you cannot have an outfield 
of Stanton, Verdugo, and Soto with one of those guys. Well, Stanton's not playing center field. We know that. I'm 95% sure Soto will not be. So it'll be Verdugo in center or Trent Grisham in center. Yeah. Yeah, So like then at that point you're either benching two good guys or, you know, you're moving, you're, you're taking a bet, a good bat out of the line. I don't know what's going to happen, but I need a, I need more clarity on what John Carlos Stanton is going to do because locking him into the DH spot doesn't feel like the answer. No, and again, I think they're probably just going to run him into the ground and he gives them what he gives them and then they don't see Stanton for a while. It's the yeah. sad reality of, of the situation. I can't really express – I'm shockingly excited to see uh, competent outfielders in the lineup. Yeah. I, I'm much oh more God. excited about the lineup than the defensive alignment. Like Soto, Grisham, Verdugo, such an upgrade on last year. Mm-hmm. I still haven't processed that Verdugo is on this team or in this lineup. I wish there was a different upgrade, but he's yeah. still an upgrade. Yeah, um, I'm still not happy that that was the decision that was made, uh, but there's no arguing that it's not an upgrade over Jake Bowers and Billy McKinney. That said, me saying I'm excited to watch this lineup in action is the easiest guarantee uh, that Greg Allen is there on opening day. It's just uh, unbelievably guaranteed that we see Greg Allen on opening day. So, cool. Uh, well, those are my questions. I don't know if you have any other storylines you're watching uh, before this team reports to camp. We should be getting updates this week. We should be getting the fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, what this is pretty obvious. What's what's the bullpen hierarchy for innings seven, eight, nine? Mm-hmm. Clay Holmes. I don't know. After that, what do you got? You got an injured Jonathan Loisega that you're probably going to want to work back into the mix, even though he's undergoing some Michael King transformation. They're saying yeah, your, Mike, your Michael King replacement, the guy who's never thrown three innings in his life, is all of a yeah. sudden going to be erasing two and a third every other day. Yeah, that's a problem for me. Um, you got Scott Efros, who is not on track to start, uh, pitching by opening day, but that man was acquired two years ago to be anywhere between a seventh to ninth inning guy, uh, based on his production with the Cubs. And I guess based on how the Yankees liked his pitch mix, um, you got Caleb Ferguson and Victor Gonzalez in the mix now, two left-handers, um, they to me seem like they're going to be more Swiss Army ish. Like they can handle late innings, but they're going to be mostly handled matchup wise. Um, and then Tommy Canely, man, uh, love the guy. He was on foul territory uh, last week. Probably should look into what he was talking about a number of things. But yeah, him and Ian Hamilton. Um, Canely's a veteran option who has, he's the longest tenured or the oldest bullpen member. Um, on this team with the most MLB experience. So pending his health, I'd like to see where he ends up at and if he can uh, get rid of his inheriting the runner issue that he had last year. Um, Then you have Ian Hamilton, who had a really good first season with us, but that groin issue killed him at the end of the year. Um, And I think we're wondering if that if that uh, cameo for the first, what, three, four months of the season was actually legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it – I think for the most part, you look at these relievers who kind of get uh, revamped or have a bit of a renaissance, um, and you have this honeymoon period where someone like Matt Blake figures out the pitch mix. New guy. You don't know what he's throwing because you never fucking seen him before, and now he's coming at you with a pitch mix that you were never expecting because you got no scouting report on him, but now – there's a four-month scouting, three, four-month scouting report on him from other teams. What's that going to look like this year? Is he going to be as effective as he was? I don't know. But now you look at the bull, you know, 
you you think back to this offseason, right? The Yankees were reportedly in on Josh Hader. Um, there, who was the other bullpen guy available? Naris. Naris, they were in on, um, but there were. I thought there was another big name. Robert Stevenson. No, that's not. You don't call him a big name. Kimbrel. Kimbrel. No, the Yankees. No, if the Yankees were in on Kimbrel, I would have. I would have jumped off a cliff. Um, but. Yeah, I think uh, my my Alexa's hearing me talk and now is repeating stuff back to me. Oh, very cool. Thank you, Alexa. And Maton, Ryan Brazier. I mean, the Yankees were connected to all these guys. Yeah. Wandy I guess Hater was I guess Hater was the only major one. He I mean, and he lapped the rest of the bullpen market. Like Naris got twelve million dollars or whatever, and Hater got ninety-five. Like he he was the guy. Okay. Um, but yeah, either way, you look back and you know the Yankees were interested in Hater, and you're thinking, what did that mean? Were they actually were they actually interested in him? Were they waiting for the market to go down a little bit to see if they could get him cheaper, or were they just used as leverage like they are every single year on every single big name free agent? Um, but to me, I think there was a little bit of interest there, um, and they were treading lightly because the Aroldis Chapman contract kind of screwed them over for <laughs> so many years. Um, regardless of how it performed in the regular season, the, the postseason stuff is real and it's bad and it costs this team a lot. Um, but yeah, you look at this hierarchy and you don't really know. Cause remember Clay Holmes was not the closer all year last year. Uh, there was, there, there were problems with his performance and yeah, he came on and he managed to rediscover himself, but there's a lot of inconsistency issues in the back end of this bullpen and a lot of injury questions. So that's got to play itself out. Yes, it certainly does. Uh, a lot of uncertainty. Is it weird that entering this season, for whatever reason, yeah. I know Juan Soto is in a contract year, and I know that they, we don't know what his future is beyond this year, but I'm not feeling that much pressure. I'm just feeling excitement to see what they have in store. Like, everyone has counted the Yankees out. The Yankees have Juan Soto, and they are projected to win the East according to objective metrics, but no one thinks that they're a favorite for the World Series. And most people don't believe those projections and say the Orioles are better. The Rays are better. So there's very little pressure here, but there is the potential to surprise. I'm just kind of excited to see who emerges and what this lineup looks like with Juan Soto, who when he and Glaber were hanging out at the Caribbean series this past week, I was just kind of reminded like, oh yeah, that guy's on our team. And he's like really excited about being on our team. And like, he's just hanging out with his teammates and, and they're just like, when Juan Soto goes places now, he's going there as a Yankee. Yeah, And I think it, I, I also don't think it's sunk in yet for a lot of people that the A's didn't just add a new right fielder or an all-star or a lefty bat or a power bat. They added Juan Soto. Like there is such a difference between adding Juan Soto and adding Jorge Soler and adding Adam Duvall. Like there are other players who would have been helpful, like Alex Verdugo, helpful to the Yankees cause, but there's nothing like adding Juan Soto. He's a top five player in the game of baseball. You don't need to overthink it. Don't need to. Simply don't. I like. I love. I'm really loving the fact that he wants to be here. I'm also um, loving the fact that Stroman wants to be here. There is clear um, desire to be a New York Yankee, which I think has been a problem. Which I know. I think we all know, right? Has been a problem over the years. There's been a lot of questions about: um, Is it worth it taking the contract in New York? Um, taxes are one thing. Who the fuck cares? You get taxed more and more anywhere you go, so it doesn't matter. But you know, is the money worth the unrelenting media, the overly critical fans, the pressure that comes with, you know, it, essentially nothing. Um, it's just being in a different setting and it creates mental strain and it affects your game. Uh, so I am very 
at least optimistic that there are guys who want to be here and that there is a locker room core of players where, you know, you have Garrett Cole, you have Aaron judge, you have Stanton, who I think is a good locker room guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. You have, um, uh, Anthony Rizzo. Um, so there's a clear structure and hierarchy in place where I think you would think that they'll have to lay the law down at some point. Um, if there's any nonsense, um, or they'll be able to give the right advice to the right guys, um, for whatever struggles might emerge. Um, but I'm most excited about the fact that they want to be here. Um, cause I feel like so many other things are like, they're like trial runs. It's like, Oh, let's see how he does here. Um, cause we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if he really wants to be here. We just, we got him and we figured it Joey Gallo, perfect example. Hey, I'm a Yankee fan, but like, million reports coming out. Oh, he's probably not a good fit for New York. Okay, great. Why'd we do this then? Why are we doing this to ourselves? Um, so yeah, no brainer, get Juan Soto, put him in. Let's see what he could do. Really excited for that. Uh, even Verdugo, like you said, am I thrilled with the addition? Not really, but yeah, Verdugo in the seven hole, that makes all the fucking difference in the world. Cause whoever was in the seven through nine holes last year was not cutting it. I know Anthony Volpe was one of those guys, um, but he wasn't properly being protected down there in the lineup. And again, it was um, roster fodder taking up those last few spots. Mm -hmm. Injuries had something to do with it, but also the Yankees' preparation for that depth had um, had a, a big impact on that. And what else? Big news over the weekend, folks. Lucas Litke. Um, yes. I think we all loved him. I did. did you guys like him? Yeah, and low-lever spots. I mean, not high-lever yep. spots, but yeah. I liked uh, I liked that he was grew up a Yankees fan. Um, I liked that he had barely pitched in MLB and managed to fight his way onto the opening day roster. Um, I liked that he managed to put together a very good body of work as a New York Yankee. Um, and uh, I also, sadly, as much as I liked him being here, supported the Yankees selling high on him. They got uh, Caleb Durbin was one of the prospects they got in return uh, mm -hmm. from the Braves. Um, and... Uh, He's now shooting. He had a great Arizona Fall League, shooting up the farm system rankings. He'll, um, but be, yeah. he'll be at spring training this year as a non-roster invitee, and I expect him to stick around for quite a while. Okay, okay. Look at that prediction. Um, but, yes, Lucas Lickie signed with the Red Sox. There is belief that it is a minor league deal. Um, yep. But the Red Sox pitching staff, in case you guys haven't researched it, is bad. Um, so I think Lucas Lickie has an avenue to legitimately make that opening day roster, um, and it will be sad when he's bludgeoned by the Yankees, if and when that time comes. Yeah, here's my advice to anyone batting against Lucas Litke. It's the curveball. It's always <laughs> the curveball. Uh, I mean, I had a good time. He was, he was, he really struggled last year in Atlanta. He, of course, especially in this climate, has to take a minor league deal. Um, I feel like he has a good, he is the same level of shot at making the Red Sox this year out of spring training that he had at making the Yankees out of spring training three years ago when he looked great left on left and was able to make the roster out of nowhere, they had to shuffle players around, get them on the 40 man. And he would occasionally have outings where he could just erase three innings in a blowout, which mm -hmm. is what you need. They did not have that last year. And it's supposed to be Luke Weaver this year. And hopefully it is. Uh, but of course there were other games where he would come in in a one or two run game and look like, you know, a lefty specialist, the game had passed him by a little bit, floating curves in there, doesn't have the velocity to sneak it past guys, and all of a sudden things are going kind of off the rails. You don't want to see Lucas Litke in extra innings, but you're fine with Lucas Litke in a 10-4 game with three innings to eat in an important yeah. – game two of an important series. 
so good ball player over under four and a half innings for the big league Red Sox this year. I'm I, you're going to go over. It sounds like. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to go over. You look at this Red Sox team and it's like, they got relievers in the rotation. You got Kenley Jansen's roster spot up in the air. He might get traded. Um, you're not going to convince me. Chris Martin's going to stay there the entire year. Um, that's some, you know, the Red Sox are just simply not a contending team. Um, there are I'm schlubs a- that were on the Red Sox last year who like you, you could barely even remember that they were on that team. Like remember Chris Murphy, he's no. one of their, one of their top lefty pitching prospects. He ended up at the, as the long man of the Red Sox bullpen last year. And he wasn't very good. If you asked me how many innings did Chris Murphy throw for the Red Sox, mostly mop up duty and blowouts, I would have told you 21. 23 uh turns out he threw 47 and two-thirds innings last year i don't remember that at all uh so if that's what the you know triple a shuttle arms and boston's bullpen were throwing last year licky get to 20 licky get to 25 uh he, he's gonna go over that like four and a half inning threshold i would say yeah the red sox will win more games than the dandies i assume we're the dandies uh, uh I guess no, we're the dandies. that's a bummer no uh, they won't Teddy. I don't. They um, might. I don't think they will. But they no, might. You no. know what? If they do, uh, I'm not on board with the Taylor Swift Chiefs conspiracy theories. Those were uh, insane and peddled by fools. But if the Red Sox were to make an underdog run with a terrible comparatively roster uh, in the 20th anniversary of 2004, with a Netflix documentary coming about 2004 and about the current roster, uh, then I would call in a conspiracy. I would have to call Joe Biden and say, "What? What's? A, why did you do this to me? What, what's up with this?" <laughs> Joe Biden with his laser eyes confirming mm-hmm. confirming the the rig Super Bowl. Yes, um, we'll do the same for the MLB season. Joe Biden told the Niners, "Don't play defense on the last play of overtime. Just sort of run around and and act like there was a whistle that never happened and leave Mecole Hardman uncovered." Yeah, God. If the Yankees do that in a World Series, I'd be really pissed. They let that receiver just walk into the flat and hit a home run, walk yeah. off ninth inning. It'd be devastating. Uncle um, Ted, Uncle Ted, my man. Uh, a log jam in the outfield again. They, there was no one in the outfield last year, so the Yankees got insurance for the outfield. You're gonna if you're gonna troll us, at least you got to pay attention to last year's trolly. Troll us. Adding man. adding too many outfielders is not going to be a problem for the New York Yankees this no. year, after what we had to sit through last year. There, there are some roster construction issues for sure, but none of them are too many outfielders. They, they're the right amount of outfielders, if anything. Yeah. Uh, you have a top prospect. You have a top 100 prospect who's on the fringe right now. I would say that's I would say that's admirable outfield. Yeah. Oh, Jason Dominguez is coming back midseason. That sucks, said no one ever. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, what else? What else we got? You want to talk, uh, Shane Biebs? No, I do. We, uh, I think no, we're, uh, maybe we'll save that for next time. Cause yeah. I, again, I like where we are. I like where we are. And, and we, we touched on Bieber a little bit today, at least in the discussion of like, is there room uh, on the roster or not for another starter? And, uh, you know, look, spoiler alert for Thursday show. He, he might be my pick if we do need another starter, but We'll have to figure that out. I do think we're probably clogged right now. Let's spring training sort itself out a little bit. And if somebody gets hurt in the first couple of weeks of spring training, which always happens, maybe that's the time that the Guardians can gouge us for Bieber a little bit. And maybe that is the Everson Pereira trade location. But for now, gouge me, gouge me, baby, gouge me, Guardians. We will see you on Thursday. 
2 o'clock Eastern, right back here. We thank everyone for joining us today, uh, nursing your Super Bowl hangover with us. I had to throw away so many wings. Nobody wanted wings. Is that America going too woke? Did America decide they don't want wings anymore? <laughs> uh, that's for you to discuss. But I had to put a bunch of wings in the garbage can after having them for lunch. Uh, good Super Bowl otherwise, though, even though there's a mini dynasty now. But I guess that makes uh, Tom Brady look over his shoulder a little bit for the first time in a long time. So that's kind of fun. Uh, but even so, I don't want to waste any more years of my youth, my relative youth, watching the Chiefs win Super Bowls. I'd like to watch somebody else win a Super Bowl. That would feel really good. But for now, Thomas and I both made money on the Chiefs. Life could be worse. Mm-hmm. I am Adam Weinrib. That's my name. You can also find me at Adam Weinrib on Twitter. Uh, somebody logged on to Twitter yesterday to talk about how uh, my opinions are bad and I should go to sleep because I don't want to sign Trevor Bauer. So if you want to be like <laughs> that guy and tell me to go to sleep at yeah. night, uh, when I was planning to go to sleep, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, Marcus Stroman is not the king of fly balls, Uncle Ted. And you should look up uh, Marcus Stroman's uh, ground ball. Yeah. Great. I, I'm deeply confused by these trolls at this point <laughs> in time. Uh, but Thomas Carinante, where can they find you? As, yeah. As, as Roberto is asking. Roberto, come on down. I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. Uh, we are both at the official Yanksco Yard Twitter account. That is at Yanksco Yard FS. Um, you can check out our bylines at yanksgoyard.com. We appreciate you guys reading. Uh, we got a lot of content popping off. Trying to inform you guys, keep you up to date, um, keep you thinking. A lot of off-season thinking here, um, especially with uh, all these roster questions. Uh, a lot of players still remaining in free agency. Suspected people on the trade market. You know how it goes. There's a lot of stuff, and we're not gonna we're not gonna overlook a single thing because you never know what can happen. Um, so yeah, th- we appreciate you guys tuning in and reading. Uh, keep it up. You're helping us out big time. Uh, we hope you're having a good time. Um, until then. We'll talk to you again on Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern live right here. Have a good rest of your middle week, as they say. And I shouldn't have to sign off the podcast clapping back at Uncle Ted again, but Uncle Ted, man, Marcus Stroman in the 94th percentile in inducing ground balls last year. Woo! He's testing us. It's good. It's hard to induce both ground balls and fly balls at that high rate. Ted? So that's it. Ted, you are a realist, uh, so you say. Uh, but it kind of sounds like he came in here just to savage us. And it, you got to bring up a slightly better point if you're going to savage this Yankees roster. Believe us, we watched last year. We know there's savage. we know there's room for savaging on this team, but you got to come at us with the facts. Yeah, uh, you just have to. Well, we'll see everybody on Thursday. Thanks for joining us for now. For Thomas Garanate, I'm Adam Waterib. Take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.